Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we have immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories from travelers around the world. Today is episode number two. If you haven't checked out the first episode with Alan Belang, I strongly suggest it. He's a great guy, awesome voice, fantastic story as well. If you did check it out and you're here for a second helping, then welcome back. And let me know what you thought of the first one. You can hit me up at Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. That's H-A-Y-D-E-N. I do answer everything. So today I'm joined by Jason Wisdom. He has an upcoming podcast about what it means to be a man in the 21st century, male role models, and how successful men can achieve their goals in today's society. So today he has a story for us about his tumultuous adventures in Bali. Tumultuous? How good of a word is that, eh? in uh, Bali, Indonesia, what took him there, and he gives great insights into Balinese life and what it's like when you're there as a tourist, as a traveler. He's not really, a, he's more of a traveler than a tourist, but he goes into it with fantastic insight. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Jason Wisdom. Hi, Jason. How's it going? It's going very well. Thank you. Awesome. Whereabouts in the world are you now? I am in New York City right now. Uh, is that where you live? Uh, I do. So how long have you been traveling, Jason? Uh, how long have I been traveling? I, I went on my first spring break right after college, and I really enjoyed it. And I've been traveling uh, as often as I can ever since. Ah, nice. So you've been, yeah. you've been to a fair few countries then? Yes, yes. I've been to every continent except for Antarctica. <laughs> and, and that is on my list. But I, I, the only reason I haven't been there yet, I haven't found a dive buddy because I want to go scuba diving under the Antarctic ice shelf. And I haven't found somebody to go diving with me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you can count me out of that. I am not one for the cold. Oh, really? I was going to ask you later if you were interested. Oh, mate, not for me. Uh, I mean, I, I, I realize I'm from England and I should be used to it by now, but even visiting New York, it was just way too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I belong on an island and not this one. <laughs> That's for sure. So uh, you've got a story for us today. Um, where does it take place? And uh, yeah, what's it about? Three years after my fir very first relationship ended, my very first serious relationship ended, and in picking up the pieces of my life, I realized that I was absolutely horribly in debt. I had over $30,000 between car, credit card, and school loans. Oof, man. The great majority of it was, it was about evenly balanced between all three forms. The short version is after three years and three months, I was completely debt-free, and I said, I'm going to treat myself. I worked a little bit longer for the contract that I was doing at the time, and then I bought a round trip to Bali, and I spent three weeks there. Okay, and if you could give the story a name, what name would you give it? I would give this name Freedom in Bali. That's a nice name. I like it. I think uh, Bali itself just screams to me freedom, so that <laughs> kind of works. Right, and for me, there really was freedom, and I'll go into that in more detail. Right then, let's get into it. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Freedom in Bali with Jason Wisdom. So I had some travel experience, but I was still relatively new. 
I decided that I would go to either Bali or Thailand. I was open to either place. And then in doing some research, the round trip ticket to Bali cost $100 less than it did to Thailand. And I said, I'm going to Bali. This was a bit of a victory lap for me because I had just spent the last three years and three months working to get myself debt free because I had been horribly in debt before and I said I need to do something about this. So for the next three years and three months, I really buckled down and I went from over somewhere thirty-two dollars to $34,000 in revolving debt down to zero dollars in, in debt, period after three years and three months. So I felt it was a good idea to celebrate and what better way to celebrate than doing something I had never done before, which is take an extended trip somewhere else in the world. First, I had a three-day layover trip to Hong Kong. I figured, well, why not have two trips? And I landed in Hong Kong at 7.30 in the morning. And I remember by the time I figured out where I was going, it was okay that I didn't speak any Cantonese or Mandarin, although I had studied a little bit of essentials before going down there. I had my first kanji breakfast, and I eventually made it back to my hotel, and I got in my hotel room at 11.30 in the morning. And I remember I'm in another country, I'm free, Life is ahead of me. I put my bags down. I closed my door. I sat down on my bed. I plopped down to lay down on my bed. I closed my eyes. And when I blinked my eyes open, it was 9.30 at night. So anyway, the it was raining a lot. Finally, the third day, it cleared up. And I went to, I took a bus to this place called the Valley of the 10,000 Buddhas, which is thousands of brass Buddha statues up on a mountain. It was a very, very interesting and scenic place to be. Pretty majestic and something worthy of a trip to be traveling to a strange part of the world that you've never been to before. Finally, my Hong Kong trip en uh, ended and I took a puddle jumper to the island of Bali, which is one of the easternmost islands in the country of Indonesia. And I remember seeing the tropical island very uh, less developed than anything I had seen in the United States or even any other country that I had been to. And uh, I remember this looks like a real uh, island. This looks like a real island culture that is not as well-developed as, as other places that I've been. I kind of liked it. I got out of the airport, and I'm going through customs, and these security guards start making jokes about throwing me in a Balinese jail and how much I'm not going to like it. And they're laughing. They're openly laughing at my expense. And I was a little stressed out, so... I, I was more relieved that they weren't being all serious more than I was annoyed that they were having fun at my expense. So I kind of went along with it. And I finally got to my hotel. I got to my second story bungalow. I laid down on my bed and I just heard all it was Ubud, Bali, which is the center. It's the cultural center of Bali. And my hotel was probably a one to two kilometer walk away from the center town. It was 
absolutely healing. It was absolutely just blissful. It was peaceful. It's like all those things that a vacation is supposed to be. I just thought, I love this. I walked around. I saw some of the rice patties. I came back. I had a chicken satay and rice dish. The entire meal cost me about $2 U.S., I just thought I have 20 days to really enjoy and look forward to. I remember the next morning I started having dreams or as I was sleeping towards the end of my sleep I had dreams that I was just in very congested traffic, very heavy traffic with all kinds of horns and activity and chaos. And I opened my eyes and the sounds I was hearing was not traffic or noise or urban settings at all. It was just roosters around everywhere having their <laughs> moments. It was just a big rooster party. And there were like hundreds of them that were just making a racket to bring on the dawn of the, of the new day. And so the sun came up about, no, I want to say 6.30. I didn't do any urban style partying. I went to many different art shows and performances, but I didn't do the all night fire club dance rave. I had a very calm trip. Uh, once every five years, each village has a cremation ceremony where they honor and put to rest and allow them to move on the members of their village who have passed on. So I went to a number of those. I went to a woodworking shop and I bought some really nice wooden pieces. I went to a silver and goldsmith where I bought some really nice pieces. I went to a local art gallery and I still have the painting of two orange birds in a in a jungle forest hanging on my on my bedroom wall. Bali was a very poor country. I know ever since Eat, Pray, Love came out, Bali has become a more, much more popular tourist destination. At the time, it was after the first major bombing incident and before the second. I, I could go to any restaurant. I could walk to almost any restaurant in the village, and very often I was their only patron that they would have for lunch. I had very little agenda from day to day other than waking up Walking down, having my breakfast, meeting whoever was there, getting offered different deals of what we could do. I met this one guy who was an artist who took me back to his local village, introduced me to his family, where he lived, his, his casa, and he was a drummer. He, would, he was very well versed in the gamelan drums, Balinese gamelan drums. I even took a gamelan drumming lesson. Uh, it looked pretty easy, but the lesson, the guy who was a gamelan master, he put me to work. My arms were completely exhausted by the end of that one hour lesson. And I thought, okay, I've had enough of playing the gamelan drums. Now I have a new respect for it. I ended up going scuba diving because I have a certification. So I, I took a trip between Bali and the island to the east, I believe is Lombok. And it was manta ray breeding season. We went about 30 to 40 meters below the surface 
And I remember looking up and seeing four or five manta rays all cross-swimming. These are giant manta rays. These are not small stingrays. These are giant manta rays. And they're all sort of swimming around each other as if they're having like a disorganized party. Like schools of fish tend to swim in the same direction. These are just like crossing each other and nothing looked like mating explicitly. Uh, there's nothing that would get get it banned from TV. But I guess that was what people are manta rays doing during breeding season. So then we continued going down and we saw this thing called a sunfish which is only exists in extremely cold waters. And I, by now, it was my fourth thermocline, and I was getting very cold. It's kind of a, a really ugly fish, but it's a gigantic fish, and it's also said to be very rare, and it only exists in extremely cold waters. I had my one obligatory night at Kuda Beach, my memory from that where there were a bunch of Aussie surfers who were on the third floor, second or third floor of this nightclub, and there was a big glass wall that was the only thing between them and falling to the ground. And I think these eight guys, one guy was like crowd surfing the other seven of them, and they're like bumping around into everything as a group. Whoa! And all eight of them are bumping into this full-size, floor-to-ceiling glass panel. And I'm just thinking, this can't be good. At any rate, I, I said, this is enough. I've had enough of this. I'm ready to go back to peaceful nature, blissful uh, roosters crowing in the morning. My other trip was to Turtaganga, which is a town on the east. It's where my second friend of a friend of a friend lived. And... I spent five days there. I spent five days in the city of Turtaganga. It might have been a little longer. I had two dinners with this guy. Even retired on Bali, he was fairly busy. Uh, he had three pers full-time personal chefs. Absolutely delicious food. You know, locally grown, organic. Th those concepts don't even exist down there. It just was. It just was. I had some amazing fruits. I had some amazing chicken, I had some amazing rice and vegetables and, and just other herbs and spices that are just local to the Bali, Balinese uh, vernacular. After a few days in Turtaganga, I figured I would go on an adventure. So I heard about this great healer in the northeast corner, this guy named Baba, and I figured I will go see him. Now, people have been driving me around the whole time. It's a small island. It's about 40 kilometers wide by 20 kilometers tall. So I figured I would rent a, a motorbike. What could go wrong? So I got the biggest motorcycle that they had. I think it was 125 cc's. This was the Balinese equivalent of a Cadillac. I pulled out of the parking lot, and the first thing that happened is the 18-wheel semi almost hit me side of the road because people drive on the left in Bali, whereas in the United States, we drive on the right. So after that very near-death, highly chilled experience, I was actually not even stressed out about it, but I felt kind of like this hollow chill within me. 
first day I just rode all around uh, to nearby villages, and I felt I felt free as a bird. Uh, I felt free as Leonard Leonard Skinner. It, it was awesome. I just loved being in the open road, being able to take my helmet off, just like it's me and my bike in the countryside, and it, it, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I decided to go northeast. Things were going pretty well. I was about two towns away, and then I hit my first sand patch, and I responded to hitting a sand patch the way any bicyclist would, by squeezing both handlebars. What I didn't realize is this was a motorcycle, not a push bike, and so the front wheel locked while the rear wheel slid around. I lost control and I fell off my bike. The bike ran over. The bike ran over me after I fell off. I, I so I had my first motorcycle accident. Uh, it was painful. I still remember the eight or nine places where uh, my skin got torn up. I was wearing shorts and flip flops. Not smart. So this local family saw me spend about 45 minutes dressing their wound, dressing my wounds with all of the first aid supplies they had. They would not accept any money. I wanted to offer them here just five dollars. Let me pay you enough just to replace uh, your your first aid supplies, and they they absolutely refused to. And I realized if I pushed any more, I'd be insulting them. So I was extremely grateful. The people in Bali are so sweet and innocent. I, I can't say enough about how innocent the people of Bali really are. So they finished patching me up. I got back on my motorcycle. I said, I'm going to see Baba. I got about half a kilometer further down. I hit another sand patch. I squeezed both handlebars. Exact same result. Injuries in the exact same places. I just said... Uh, what what can I do? You know, th this this can't be a coincidence. So I forgot about Baba the Healer, and I, I then I sought out a doctor. Fortunately, some guy in the street saw me, said, I know a doctor, he's off today, but he might be able to see you. So I followed him, I put out a prayer saying, if you can get me back safely, I promise never to ride a motorcycle again unless somebody care about life is in danger. Then we found the doctor. He took one look at me, and I had scraped up knees and feet, and and he looked at me in horror. And as soon as he did, I knew that he cared, so I knew I was in good hands. I got back and said, all right, I'm going to have to be nursed to myself. And so all evening long, I had these uh, herbs from the Amazon with me that were uh, Sangre de Drago, Dragon's Blood. I don't know why I brought it with me, but I had like a two-ounce bottle of that with me. And I said, okay, I'm going to apply this to every single wound that I have. But I had a over one foot scrape on my left shin. I had over uh, a six-inch scrape on my left forearm. And it was the most relaxing vacation I've ever had. <laughs> Thanks for that story, Jason. Uh, really takes me back to Bali. It sounds like you had a kind of uh, traumatic, but you know, an awesome time nonetheless. I'd also like to apologize for kind of internally laughing at your bike riding over you. It, it's a funny mental image. What can I say? You know? Yeah. Oh, I, I can laugh about it now. I mean, I, I tell stories and I say, "Oh, I rode a motorcycle for the first time in a third world country. What can go wrong?" <laughs> yeah. I just got a question for you. Do you feel like the trip changed you when you got back to the states? Did you feel like a changed person at all? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
your first extended trip to a strange place by yourself can, can can't not change you. And for me, one of the ways that it really changed me is I know I can do this anytime I want. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't think I know anyone that's come back from somewhere the same person. So is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I, my podcast's not ready for this publication. I'm working on a podcast myself. Uh, the topic is being a man in the 21st century. Uh, the uh, challenge is uh, how to make it possible. I, I don't want to endlessly discuss the problems that men have, have, even though there are some significant challenges men have in the 21st century. What I want to focus the podcast on is success, interviewing successful role models because there are a handful of men who have succeeded life on their own terms in the 21st century and I want to interview them, really get to know them, uh, go deep beneath the surface to find out the essence of what made, the, what, gave, what made it possible for them to succeed on life's terms so other people can listen and learn and do the same for themselves. That sounds great. And uh, where can people look for this podcast uh, when it is available? It doesn't exist right now. It will be on pod, uh, on iTunes. It will have something having to do with 21st uh, century uh, men or man or men in the 21st century. I don't know the exact title yet, but I am working on it and I'm interviewing people right now. That's cool. Well, what I'll do is um, you can shoot me over an email when you're done. And as soon as you are, I will put a link to it in the show notes of this episode so everyone can check that out for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. No worries. Thanks again for the story, mate. Okay, you're welcome. All right, have a good one. And cheers. Bye. Thanks again to Jason for his story, and thanks again to you guys for joining us on his journey. If you enjoyed the show when you're on iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe, leave us a rating, and leave us a review. We are a relatively new show. We're on the second episode right now. It really does help us out a lot, get us to a few more ears. Show notes to this episode can be found at travelstoriespodcast.com forward slash Jason. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Hayden at travelstoriespodcast.com. I do answer everything. The Twitter is Travel Stories UK, and the Facebook and Instagram are both Travel Stories podcasts. Let's keep it simple. So thanks again and join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story. And remember, travel is the only thing you buy that makes you richer. Mm-hmm.